You're listening to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 28. Each Wednesday, we'll embark on a journey together to discover the best tips for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week in Make Life Easier, we're talking about an often confused grammar tool, IE versus EG, and we're going to cover a tip for how to distinguish between them. And then in Make Work Easier, I'm talking about four practical steps for planning for tomorrow from a book, a phenomenal book called Work Clean by Dan Charnas. Let's get started. Okay, make life easier. Why would anyone care about the difference between IE and EG? Well, my thought is it's something that folks use pretty frequently, they misuse pretty frequently, and it's one less thing you need to look up if you kind of can stick the difference in your brain. And I have a trick for helping you to remember the difference between them. So first of all, IE, it stands for id est, and it translates to in other words or that is. And the way to remember how to use this is if you replace the IE in your sentence with that is, or in other words, and it still makes sense, you've used the correct one. The point of this abbreviation is it's simply used to clarify something you're already talking about. So for example, a sentence could be, I bought my favorite fruits for the smoothie, and you could insert an IE in the middle of that to help clarify which fruits you bought. So it could be, I bought my favorite fruits, IE, cherries and strawberries for the smoothie. And in this case, you can, again, tell whether you're using the correct one by simply replacing the IE with the phrase, in other words, or that is. So going back, I bought my favorite fruits, that is cherries and strawberries, for the smoothie. That makes sense. And again, you're just providing additional clarifying information. On to EG, which stands for exempli gratia. And this translates to, for example, or for the sake of example. You'll use EG whenever you're going to list examples as part of a sentence. So an example of this, a sentence could be, I love all kinds of weather. And then you could insert an EG, or for example, I love all kinds of weather, EG, rain, sun, snow, etc. In this case, you could replace the phrase or the abbreviation EG with for example, and if it makes sense, you're on the right track. So a quick way to distinguish between the two, a quick little mnemonic device to help you remember, IE starts with I, that is also has an I, those two go together, EG starts with E, the word example also starts with E, That those two go together. And that's it. Before we move on, I wanted to thank Grammarly, the website Grammarly, for their assistance in providing information on this topic, and I hope that you will keep the two distinguished from now on and that this little tip helps you out. Okay, moving right along into Make Work Easier. This week, I'm talking about a book called Work Clean by Dan Charnas. And I'm specifically focusing on some tips that he gives for planning for tomorrow. The book Work Clean is based in the culinary world. Now, you don't have to love culinary to love this book, although I do. I've been watching Food Network since probably middle school. That's what I did. I didn't come home and watch 
cartoons or whatever on TV. I would come home and watch the Food Network and I've loved culinary for forever. So that was a huge bonus for me. But this book you can love without being in love or as in love with culinary as I am. The book focuses on a culinary mindset and practice called mise en place, which is a French term for put in place. And the simplest way of explaining what mise en place is, is it's just a method for preparing before cooking. You lay everything out in a specific way, so that way when you actually go to cook and start putting food into hot pans, you have everything where it needs to be, and you're eliminating waste and making things as simple as possible. When everything's where it's supposed to be, the chance of burning something or running out of things is really reduced. And that's the point is to make the culinary process, the actual cooking process, a whole lot simpler when you've planned, prepared, and eliminated waste as best as you can. So the book is phenomenal and covers a number of different aspects, but I am focusing on one aspect of this book this week called The Daily Mies. This is what the author, I I don't know if this term is one that he coined. I want to say that it is because when you Google it, it's just his stuff that comes up. And he spells Mies in his book, in the written text, M-E-E-Z-E. And I think it's a play on Mise en Place. So Mise en Place, the first word is spelled M-I-S-E. And I make that distinction because I really don't know how to write it. On my calendar, when I do my daily Mies, I put M-I-S-E, but he spells it that funky M-E-E-Z-E. Anyway, this is a mindset around preparing yourself like a chef would in advance of the things that you need to do. So it's really four distinct categories of things that you should do. And Dan Charnas says that the amount of time you should spend each day on what he calls the daily me's is 30 minutes, that you should use 30 minutes every day to prepare yourself for the next day. So the four major categories that he talks about as part of the Daily Mies are, and again, these are kind of based in culinary, but when you hear things like clean your station, think clean your desk or whatever that is in your work life. So the first is clean your station. The second is sharpen your tools. The third is plan your day. And the fourth is gather your resources. And we're going to cover those a little bit more in depth. And I'm going to talk about my experience in how these play out for me. So the first area is clean your station. And It breaks down into a number of kind of sub areas, which include putting the things on your desk away. So when I'm at work, I pull out a number of things throughout the day and I used to leave them and I would kind of come into a bit of clutter. Now, if you could guess, I'm already a pretty organized person. So it was never that messy for me. You'd come into my office and I would say, what a mess. And a lot of people would be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but still you're putting, you're taking things out throughout the day. And he says, the first thing you should do is put all of those things away, put them back into their proper places. You know where to find them when you need them next. The next is to move all the things that you need to do. All of your tasks need to go into an inbox. And this looks like for me, if I've got certain folders I'm working on that have tasks, my notebook, some things I need to put away, that I don't want to get up for that particular second, I will organize everything and put it into my inbox, even if they're bigger items. It's not just papers that are there. Then he says to organize the space. So you've already put most of your stuff away. I'll have usually a couple things that I have to get up and I'd prefer to make one trip once I know where I've got to go. I'll get up, put those things away. And once my space is clean, then the next step is to sort the inbox. You start going through your inbox and tracking all of the things that you have to do. 
And he says to log all of the action items that you have from whatever is in your inbox, whether it's documents, your notebook, anything that's in there, take all the tasks out and put them onto some sort of task list. Now, for me, the tool that I have been using for basically since I learned the getting things done method, and that was probably, I don't know, six to eight months ago, I've been using Todoist. And I had flitted back and forth between tools for quite a long time, between Todoist, Asana, Trello. I switched back and forth between all of them. And what I found is kind of adopting the getting things done method, which I do plan to talk about on this show, but get adopting the getting things done method and this work clean method and kind of fusing them, this definitely alludes to the type of tool that Todoist is. It's just a task manager. You can get it for free and use it for free. I did pay, I think you can pay for a year and it was pretty inexpensive. I think it was, I don't even remember how much it was. I don't want to say the wrong price, but it was not expensive. And I find this tool to be exactly what I need for keeping track of my list of projects. And so all the tasks that are in my inbox as I'm doing my daily me's go from the inbox and they go on to that task list. And then I will mark that they've been moved or throw away the documents or whatever. So all of my tasks are processed. And something I left out that I should have probably gone through at the beginning of this was that this process, I said it was 30 minutes, but it occurs at the end of every workday for me. Now I've kind of made it a sacred space of 30 minutes at the end of my workday. I currently work eight to four. And so at 3.30 every day, I go into daily me's mode. And I do all of this during that period. I don't allow myself to be interrupted unless it's something big. So by the time that's done, I leave for the day. I've cleaned my workspace. I've done all this stuff that we're going to cover in that last 30 minutes. And it sets me up well for the next day. So just to recap, clean your station, you're going to put stuff away you're going to move your all your tasks and things you've got to do into your inbox. You're going to sort that inbox and then log all of the action items from your inbox onto a task list of some kind, whether that's a digital tool, a paper list, whatever that looks like for you. The next step in this process, number two, is to sharpen your tools. And again, he's going back to the culinary world where you'd be perhaps honing your knives or whatever that looks like in the culinary world. But in this case, The tools he's talking about are your calendar. You're going to sharpen your calendar in that he recommends, and I've gone through a lot of conflicting opinions about this, but he recommends that you put the things you need to do, your actual tasks, schedule them onto a calendar of some kind. And I read the book called Scrum, and that book, a long time ago I read it, and it advocates thinking about work in a different way, and it advocates that humans are really bad at estimating the amount of time things take to complete, which is totally true. We are absolutely horrible at estimating the amount of time. But for me, I found that putting things on a calendar actually works, not because I think I'm going to be able to complete that task in the amount of time. Let's say, you know, let's say I've got to make calls to organize something like I'm I'm working on a food pantry, setting up a food pantry at work. And I needed to get with the organizer at the college we're partnering with and then get some permission slips to our kids. And I budgeted an hour of time for that. That doesn't mean that I have to completely finish that task in an hour. That's just how much time I budgeted 
the bucket of time I've given myself to work on that for the day. And it tells me, kind of gives me a gauge as to how much time this project really takes. So I don't see it as a hard and fast, I need to fit all of these actions into this hour. It's just, that's the amount of time I budgeted that day. And that's how I've reconciled this. Humans are horrible at planning out how much time things are going to take and the notion that we should be putting our tasks onto a calendar. So I do, I use Outlook and I schedule my tasks into Outlook and I make sure one of the things that he is really big on and we're going to get into this in the next section, which is plan your days, but not to over schedule. So knowing that we're going to plan the day, the sharpen tool section is to look at the tool, to look at your calendar and reschedule any tasks that you've already scheduled previously for later. If you didn't get to it, you move it on the calendar to tomorrow or whenever you feel like you're going to have more time, wherever that time is best spent. Once you've cleaned up your calendar, meaning you've rescheduled all the stuff that's on there from previously that hasn't gotten or hasn't been attended to, you then go in and sort all of the actions on your task list into respective projects. This is a a pretty important distinction and I still kind of tweak how I think about projects, but from the getting things done method, David Allen talks about projects being anything that has one or more actions that needs to be completed in a relatively short amount of time. So it's anything that's more than just kind of a one-off task that has several actions that need to be completed. So for instance, my food pantry project is a project versus reply to this email, which just is a quick five-minute thing. And so he recommends, Dan Charnas recommends that you sort all of your actions into their respective projects. This is where a digital tool really comes in handy because you have more flexibility to expand and contract your projects and move things around versus with paper where you're actually going to be scratching and stuff. I used to every day rewrite my projects list so I had actual physical contact with that project in terms of writing it out. But I found that that was a big time suck. It it wasted a lot of time. And so as much as I actually do like bullet journaling and handwriting that stuff out, it just wasn't efficient enough for me. So I use a digital tool and I will move all of my tasks under their respective projects or create new project headings altogether if something new has come up. Then this is a big one. This is, I think, where a lot of people get tripped up in that they try to do this priority thing. And I tried that too. I tried prioritizing and, and getting you know, priority one, priority two, priority three, or whatever priority you assign to things. And the problem with that is, is that the list of priorities becomes absolutely enormous and unusable. You can't concentrate. You have 50 P1s, 50 P2s, it becomes unusable. So the important thing here to remember is to focus on the next action you need to take. This is where Dan Charnas and David Allen, work clean and getting things done, really mesh. They both advocate focusing on the next action. David Allen would say the next physical action. Dan Charnas uses a kitchen term. He calls it the front burner. You can only have so many front burners in front of you and all the things that come behind them are the things that don't need to be actively worked on, not the next physical action. So for my food pantry example, my front burner might be organize a meeting with the planner that I'm working with at the college that we've partnered with. That is a front burner because I have to do that first before I can write up the permission slip because there's no date on there. So that's the front burner for that project. And 
as you order your projects, right, you have your task list with all of your projects and then under them are all the actions you have to take. The next action should be at the top. The ones underneath it, you can kind of play with and get in an order, but a lot of times those will change as you work on them. The most important thing is that next action, the next step for each project. That helps cut down the list of priorities and all of that stuff. That is the key. That is the linchpin to this system working is focusing on the thing you have to do next. And in any project, you really should not have more than one next action. It doesn't make sense. You can't do two things simultaneously. You can do them in rapid succession, but there is a logical next action in almost all cases, and you need to find that and put that at the top of the list. And again, this is where a digital tool comes in handy. Once you have your project list organized into next actions, the next major area to focus on is to plan your day where you're actually going to schedule those next actions on your calendar. Now, you've only got a certain number of hours to plan every single day. If you work in a corporate kind of nine to five or eight to four job, you're looking at eight or so hours. You know, you've got to factor in time for breaks and you need to be realistic about how much time can be scheduled. So one of Dan Charnas's, I think, very sage pieces of advice is to not overschedule yourself. Do not block every single minute of the day because you're setting yourself up for an unrealistic day that is destined to fail because you are inevitably going to need to take breaks, use the bathroom, go for lunch, just stop working for a period of time to give yourself a break for those times when people come in and bug you, anything like that. You have to make sure to leave gaps. And I don't have a hard and fast rule for how I do this, but I make sure to leave at least 15 minutes between each task in general. Sometimes things can butt up right next to each other. In the morning, especially, I'm more fresh. I can do what's called process tasks, and I'm going to get into that idea in a later episode. It's another idea from Dan Charnas about how to group certain types of tasks, but I do my process tasks first thing, and then I'll move right into a first action, a front burner. And I don't find that I need a break right then, but as it gets later in the afternoon, I leave bigger and bigger breaks, 15, maybe 30 minutes. And then, so as you're scheduling, you don't want to overschedule. And I also deliberately schedule breaks in my calendar. I actually leave an hour for a break in kind of about the one o'clock range, depending on what's going on. And I don't often take that whole break where I'm not doing anything, but I will relax. I'll eat lunch. I'll go out for lunch. Sometimes I take an hour lunch. It's very rare that I do that. A lot of times I eat at my desk, but I'm more relaxing. Sometimes I'll scroll Facebook or I'll read a book just for a little bit of time to help me refresh myself for the end of the day because that's when I start to hit my slump. And if I hit that slump and I'm super sluggish, I really am not very productive. I'm working, I'm going through the motions, but I don't know how much productive work I'm churning out. So I deliberately schedule my breaks and I also, like I said, schedule those front burners realistically throughout the day. And what it does, what this does for me, I was actually talking to a friend last night about this idea of constantly feeling guilty about the work that we're doing in the moment because there are so many competing priorities, whether, again, this is in your business or whether this is at work or wherever this is with family, we're always facing a number of competing priorities. And because of that, I think some people, myself included, tend to feel guilty about what we're doing currently because of all the other things that we're not doing. 
So when I'm at work, I feel guilty or have felt guilty for working on the food pantry because I'm not working on cleaning out the tech room or whatever. There's all these other things to do, so I feel bad about what I'm doing right now. Well, what I found is that this works for me a lot like money. I used to feel guilty about every little purchase. I could afford the things that I was buying. I live within my means, but it didn't matter if I was buying a $100 ticket to some show or a $1 pack of gum. It didn't matter. I would feel guilty about every single purchase I made. And what I found is the counter to this is to budget the money, is to give myself set buckets of how much money I have to spend in each area and stick within those limits. So if I had $1,000 to spend, I could budget $200 for groceries, which is nowhere near a realistic number. Don't think that I'm saying that this is exactly the number that, you know, this is just an example. So don't think I'm only spending $200 on groceries, I wish. But anyway, back to the example. Say I have $1,000 to spend. I spent, or I budget $200 for groceries. I budget $150 for entertainment. I budget X dollars. What You get the idea. But I'm setting aside specific amounts of money for those specific things. So when I have $150 budgeted for entertainment and I want to buy a $100 ticket, I say, oh, yes, I have the money. I'm not planning to spend it on anything else right now, so I can feel okay about spending it on that. I'm creating smaller buckets in the overall amount of money that I have, so it's a lot less overwhelming to look at. The same concept I found applies to budgeting time. You have all this time and all these competing priorities, but if you give yourself small buckets for specific things, you can let the other stuff go in that moment. For instance, I have a PC repair and web design business called Lightning that I work on every week as well as this podcast. And what I found was I was spending a lot of time working on the podcast and I felt guilty about not working on Lightning, about not taking care of that business. And so what I did was I created a weekly routine and it allowed me to say, okay, I've got time for Lightning on Thursday and I've got time for easier on Sunday. So when I was spending time doing one, I knew that I had already allotted time for the other. It's the same thing here. When you're budgeting your time throughout the day, it allows you to focus on that and not say, oh my God, I've really got to work on that food pantry, but I've also got you know 20 other things that require my attention and I'm not doing them. I can focus and say, I've put the important things on my calendar. I don't need to worry about it. It's a huge mindset shift. And when you do this the night before, you come in not having to worry about planning that day. I found that it creates such a sense of freedom in the morning. I can come in and do the stuff that matters first and it launches me much more effectively into my day. So that's the third category, which is to plan your day. Are your days super busy? Even though you're stressed and tired, do you feel like somehow you just don't get enough done each day? Well, you're definitely not alone. That's why I put together an awesome one-page guide on my top 15 strategies for getting more done in a day. These are all of the best productivity tips I've found from books, online research, and experience. It's completely free. All you have to do is head over to easiercast.com slash get more done to grab your copy now. Again, that's my free one-page guide called the top 15 strategies for getting more done in a day. You can find it at easiercast.com slash get more done. 
All right, let's get back to the show. The last one is to gather resources. And I don't spend very much time doing this, but it really means if you've got certain projects you're going to be working on or certain things you need to do, if you have a schedule that you prefer to print, do those things, get everything together so you're not having to do that first thing. So after you've put everything away and sharpened the tools and organized everything and then planned your day, you can then pull out the folders, the couple folders that you need to work on and set them in your inbox or whatever to prepare yourself so when you come in, you're already set up for success. And when you've done all of these things and you leave at the end of that day and then walk in fresh the next morning, I I can't even tell you what a difference it makes. So that's the Daily Me's method. And again, one more quick recap of what that is. It's a 30-minute daily planning session that you should do every day the night before. And that mise is short for mise en place, which means to put in place, to put everything in its place. And it consists of four major steps, which is the first is to clean your station, put all your stuff away, organize your desk, move all of your tasks into your inbox, and then move all of the action items onto a task list. The second is to sharpen your tools, which means to reschedule anything that's incomplete from the day before, sort all of your actions into their respective projects, and then order your projects by next action. Then is to plan your day to actually schedule your next actions onto your calendar, being mindful to both not overschedule yourself and to specifically schedule breaks. And then last, number four, is to gather your resources, get everything together that you'll need for tomorrow to set yourself up for success. And that's it. It's a really simple mindset shift and it can, it has worked wonders for me in keeping organized and on top of everything. So I started doing this and I have found that I do it every single day. It's a non-negotiable for me unless there's something huge, like I'm caught in a meeting, I can't leave. I, you know, I, I don't negotiate on doing my daily me's. It was hard because I never thought I could get myself in the swing of doing something like this every day but it makes my days so much more productive that I find that I have the time because I've done it this way. And I just schedule it as a recurring task on my calendar so that it's always there. I don't have to think about putting it on. It's always there every single day. I know when my daily mise is. It's 3.30, the end of each workday. So I hope that this idea works for you. If you are interested in Dan Charnas talking about this himself, I've actually linked to a video that he put out on what is a daily mise. And it's like a two minute video where he kind of goes through all the stuff that I've talked about real fast. And you can watch his explanation or you can grab his book, which is called Work Clean. It's a phenomenal book. And I've got a link to that in the show notes as well. And at the end of every episode is when I'll give you that link to the show notes. So I hope that this is a method that works for you. I encourage you to let me know if it works for you or if you have any tweaks or changes or adjustments that work because I'm always tweaking my own method. And I'll do the same, that if I find anything that works better, I will definitely update you in a future episode. And that's it for episode number 28 of Easier. Remember the difference between IE and EG and the trick that we covered about how to remember the difference. And also remember to start doing your very own 30-minute daily mees. The phenomenal method by Dan Charnas from his book Work Clean about how to organize tomorrow today. 
Do you have any tips, tricks, or hacks for making life or work easier? If so, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at podcast at easiercast.com or you can leave a comment in the show notes, which are at easiercast.com slash 28. That's also where you'll find the link to that video I mentioned, as well as a link to grab your own copy of Dan Charnas's Work Clean. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from the tips I've covered in this episode, please be sure to share it with them. Hopefully, every share means that someone somewhere will find more time for what matters most to them. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. And until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.